0: We've had not just two minor negative quarters, uh, we've had what, m- minus 3% and minus 2.3% on gross domestic income. And you know what, Adam, that number rings true to me.
1: Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder, Adam Taggart. I'm here today welcoming back macro analyst, Mike Shedlock, better known as Mish to the program. Uh, Mike was on the channel here a couple of months ago, a lot has happened uh, since uh, Mike uh, Mike was on. Um, I think the theme of today's discussion is going to be despite the real spike in optimism in markets today, the pressure of the underlying stresses within our system still continues to build to, to pretty concerning levels at this point. Um, before I jump into the discussion with Mike, I just want to point out, yes, I'm in a different background here. Uh, I ended up having to fly across the country for a family emergency. Uh, I may be ping-ponging back and forth between coasts for the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, so just asking your forgiveness uh, and your flexibility in advance uh, of uh, you know some changes here on the backgrounds. Um, hey, Mike, great to see you. You've got a little bit of a different background too today.
0: Hey, we had some technical issues here. Uh, Adam and I both changed things around, I, so my background's not normal. Had some microphone issues, camera issues. Anyway, here we are. And yeah, Adam asked me about uh, whether or not I had some news. I do. Um, Gary Broad at uh, Deep Knowledge Investment invited me to be on his board of um, analysts and I'm happy to accept that. And if actually, if you look at the bios of these people, it is a fantastic group. And Adam, I think you need to get Gary on. Uh, I think you would be a great guest. And also I'm migrating off of the Maven, off of, uh, it's now called the Arena Group, I guess. I'm back to my um, uh, own website where I will have more control over comments, more control over the layout. That's happening this week. Fortunately, the URLs do not change, so but there might be some glitches as it takes uh, GoDaddy to move from one server to another. So uh, bear with me on that. I'm going to keep posting, but comments are uh, disabled through at least Wednesday on my blog, and we're looking for a Wednesday rollover from GoDaddy but it's still going to be MishTalk.com. So wish me the best on that uh, uh, technical uh, uh, maneuver here, Adam.
1: Yeah, technical transitions are always um, they're always rough. Uh, so good luck on that, but I'm sure it's going to go smoothly. And yes, everybody, continue to go to MishTalk. Uh, now it's just going to be on an even better platform. All right, Mike, look, I got a a whole long list of things here. And by the way, thanks for the recommendation for Gary. I wrote down, get Gary Broad on the show. So I'm going to make that happen. Um, So, number of questions based upon some of the recent uh, uh, articles that you published on mishtalk.com. Real quick before we get into them, let me just toss the softball. I like to toss to you every time you come on this channel. What's your current assessment of the global economy and financial markets?
0: heading into recession. It's been that way for a long time. And guess what, Adam? Hey, I was early again. I'm always early. And <laughs> now uh, This last time I was like, well, I'm gonna not try and be so early. You know, the U.S. had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP starting 2022. And I said, hey, we're not in recession yet. And we weren't. Um, but um, when consumer spending took a dive and uh, I think it was April or May of of uh, 2022. I said, you know, this is it. This feels like it to me. Consumer spending went down, and it was down for a couple of months. And then guess what? Out of the blue, it shoots up again. Mm, okay, all right. Well, it looks like it's going to be third quarter. The same thing happened again. Uh, interestingly, four days ago, the um, uh, the EU announced recession. Mm-hmm. The but. They do it differently. They just look at two consecutive consecutive two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. They call that a recession. That's not the way the NBER does things here. But we've got mixed signals here in the in the U.S. The uh, I didn't send you this chart, but um, uh, gross domestic um, income and gross domestic product, two measures of the same thing. One of them signaling the economy is fine. Gross GDP is. Gross domestic income is signaling something else. You know, we, we've had not just two minor negative quarters. Uh, we've had what, m- minus 3% and minus 2.3% on gross domestic income. And you know what, Adam? That number rings true to me. Because when I look at all the part-time jobs that are out there, the, the full-time employment has been stagnant. Uh, Just a whole number of measures lead me to believe that that's the real number. The NBER takes the two and averages them. But even if you average the two, you still get two negative quarters of, 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 of GDP. But by the time the NBER delays so long, I you know the recession might even be over by the time they get around to making their assessment, and then we will know whether it's GDP is the right one or GDI or some sort of combination between the two of them. But regardless, the the economy is weakening, and I'll go back to something that I wrote in August of 2022, and that is the title of my post was something along the lines. Whether you call it a recession or not, it's going to be a long period of weak economic growth. Uh, 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 I think that's going to hit Europe even harder and China. For all this, China is restarting nonsense. Guess what? China's struggling too. Germany is really struggling and will continue to struggle with deindustrialization of its automotive sector that it's been so reliant on.
1: All right. Um, great summary there, Mission. and I just want to say too, when you were talking about GDP versus GDI, um, I compliment to you, but David Rosenberg feels the same way. We had him on this channel two weeks ago. He talked about exactly that, and he said, and I imagine you would say the same thing, if when the NBR comes out and declares, you know, if indeed a recession uh, started this year, he wouldn't be surprised if we're already in it.
0: Yes, I've tree. said exactly the same thing.
1: Lacey yeah. Hunt has said similar comment, made similar comments. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, two things. One, uh, to your point about kind of like it doesn't really matter whatever we call the recession or however we define it. Um, what really matters, particularly for the folks that are watching this channel, is just what's the lived experience going to be, right? You know, because analysts and policy wonks can argue all day long about the technical definition of a recession. But when people start, seeing their wages crimp, their hours cut back, maybe losing their jobs, you know, et cetera. A lot of the, the type of fallout you get from a recession, that's what really matters. So from that perspective, what do you see coming ahead? How, how do you think this recession may compare to some of the ones that are still in living memory like 08 or 01 or you know, earlier? Um,
0: the direct opposite, and we've talked about this before. I, I, I expect the, the opposite of what happened in 2008. Uh, we had people walking away from homes. Now they're walking away from corporate real estate hotels uh, and the like. So uh, this is uh, gonna be a different kind of bust here. Uh, people weren't as leveraged in mortgages as they were in 2008. We didn't have the liar loans, the ninja loans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, but starting August, People are going to have to uh, start paying back their student debt loans. I think that's going to take a uh, cramp out of spending. Already, we're seeing hours caught. I mean, you can look at the headline jobs numbers. Adam, they just they just do not ring true to me. Yeah, so I, I am, and if and if I'm online with uh, with what Rosenberg is saying, I'm happy because he's a pretty damn good analyst, right? the the, uh so i wasn't aware of that so you know that's that's good to know but uh we have seen falling hours and people say oh it's just tech and you know look at earnings look at this look at that well you know guess what in in 2008 there was this meme out there well, china's going to decouple from the global economy now everyone believes the u.s is going to decouple from the global economy now you know Europe's clearly in recession now. So far, it's weak, but you know what are they going to do about? It? You know they don't have the the policies and the procedures and the tools. And Germany's workforce is aging brutally fast here. So uh, 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 their infrastructure is terrible. Their internet connections, I, you know, they got by off the auto sector, SAP, and a few other, you know, companies. Now there's not been a lot of innovation out of the EU period. I mean, look at artificial intelligence. The EU is nowhere to be found. If anything, they're trying to suppress it. Right. So what's the driver for growth in the EU? I don't see one, at least in the U S we can point to some things and say, okay, Okay, you know, uh uh artificial intelligence, technology, the like, you know, Biden's trying to catch up on uh uh with, with with China on electric cars. The problem there is, you know, where do we get the materials? That was what I wrote about today, Adam. So a, a very completely different kind of re- recession. But uh um my my synopsis to uh uh, the COVID recession, which was um, it was very short, didn't even last a full quarter. The Is a blink and you
1: miss it recession to a certain extent?
0: Yeah, it was. It was you know two months of negative growth. The, the uh, uh, but a an enormous, unprecedented decline in uh, employment and jobs, which I believe was undercounted, by the way. Uh, the so now I think we're going to see the opposite of that it's going to be much longer much more per, uh, uh prolonged uh uh out of fear of stoking inflation um, and and look at Biden's policies. I you know you can like them or not, but the policies are are very very inflationary. You know where do we get the metals from? You know we're, you know we have to build out infrastructure. Where do we get this stuff? Meanwhile, we're still supporting you know war in Ukraine. You can like that or not, but you, you can't deny that this is going on. Uh, so uh, you know I don't know. You know there's there's some pretty strong elements here. Of stagflation if you look at it
1: okay um just to give you another uh kudos for thinking alike with another smart person uh peter bookvar on this channel last week and um he thinks similar to you where he, he said he doesn't think there's a you can't predict with 100 certainty there's going to be a, a recession but he pegs it at about 99.99 <laughs> okay <laughs> but he, he doesn't think it's going to be uh an event like we just, you know, oh, of the yeah. economy just crashes. He doesn't necessarily think there's going to be a coincidence stock market crash, but he just sees it as sort of this slow, prolonged grinding downwards. Yeah. Which I kind of get that same impression, but but clarify if if that's wrong. Um, so when you say it's going to be very different, though, from some of these previous ones, uh, from from people's lived experience. So does that? I mean, obviously, it doesn't seem like you think we're going to have the the, the housing market. Um, you know, collapse that we had last time around because there's a ton of people in houses with very low mortgages. But how how about uh, jobs? You know, will, will we? do you think we'll see continued layoffs building? Will the employment rate, well, you and I even have a bet going on this, so maybe I'm asking a loaded question, but what, what do you think is going to happen with employment? We, we do,
0: Adam. We've got this marginal bat. What is it? A pizza and beer, I, I think. Uh, uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. Whatever it is, it is. But uh, you, you thought the unemployment rate will be what five? I, I think when we
1: made the bet, which was in March, uh, mm-hmm. that I was more pessimistic than you, and thought that the employment rate will cross five percent somewhere between March when we made the bet and next March. Huh.
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm. It's still looking good for me, but you know these things can change on a dime. You can easily yeah. be right. And by the way, everyone, uh, Adam hopes that I'm right.
1: You I know, absolutely do. I, I do not want to win this. Battle.
0: We are not. We're not rooting for you know our positions here. Well, I, you know, I don't want there to be a, a massive rise in unemployment because I think it'll be painful. And uh, the Fed, I don't think. And the reason why one of the reasons why I'm predicting this long, you know, blown out thing it, out of fear of stoking more inflation, I don't think you know the Fed is going to resort back to, you know, more QE, you know, slashing interest rates to zero again. I I I I think that's off the cards. I I I think we've we we might have seen the secular low in uh, uh interest rates barring some severe economic crash but uh uh, one of the reasons why i think you know there's there's between employment and unemployment if you you look at the last jobs report this has been going on for a year you know unemployment has barely risen and jobs are up like what four million or something in the last year you look at uh full-time employment it's only gained maybe a million i think this ties back into the idea uh, the, uh, that Rosenberg and I had about, you know, this matches GDI folks. Whether you like it or not, it does. So uh, the, the but uh, people there's there's three classes of zombies here, and I I, I wrote about this in a guest post on on uh, Deep Knowledge Investment, uh, uh, my my first post over there. We've got you know corporate zombies that you know are barely alive you know only because they can keep rolling over debt well guess what the cost of rolling over that debt is now monstrous and we're right. seeing it in the commercial real estate side. we're seeing people walk away or real estate investment funds walking away from hotels walking away from you know apartment buildings you know they they got these interest only loans and it doesn't make any sense to carry them now at seven percent but it made sense to carry them at three so uh, a completely different kind of recession but um i don't think we recovered all the jobs you know the you know in the fast food industries and and you know uh, the hotels and, and that stuff. So okay, I think some of these openings are going to vanish, and ours are going to be caught more so before they lay off any people. But back to commercial real estate, and I know uh, I'm I'm ringing Danielle Martino Booth's uh, 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 flag here on that. But uh, I think commercial real estate is going to be nasty. And if you look at, and I had a, I had a chart or some numbers on this. This is off the top of my head, so this might not be exactly correct. But uh, the um, regional bank exposure to commercial real estate is like twenty eight point six percent of of their loans and investments. The big banks. if the number I recall correctly, is like 6.8%. So when we have another decline in commercial real estate, you you know it's these regional banks that are gonna get hit. We've already seen what's happened to three of these regional banks, right? So what's the Fed gonna do to come in? They're gonna come in and they'll do something. They're gonna bolster this up, but they're not gonna be slashing interest rates like they did before out of fear of recession. And given Biden's policies, and the push towards you know uh, uh, clean energy and the push towards unionization of Biden. you can agree with it or disagree with it, but Biden's tactics, student loan forgiveness, all of that stuff. Now that's going to go by the wayside, I believe the Supreme Court um, by mid-July. but we'll find out. And um, uh, but he's got a, a big inflationary push so which is like, you know, it's, it's unusual for me to be per- preaching a little bit of a stagflation message, but that's kind of what I see here right now. But
1: it's, it's so interesting because I, I think a lot of people first got exposed to your work back leading up to 2008, where you were really kind of known as one of the bigger deflationists mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, and, and now you are a stagflationist, it sounds like. It,
0: uh, uh, I waver and I know both sides. And I did a post out there and I said, well, okay. Here's all the stuff on this side, you know, we, demographic is actually on both sides. You know, you, you know we, we got people uh, uh, retiring. These are skilled workers. Uh, they're gonna be replaced with non-skilled workers. So productivity rates to go down. So that's one side of it. You can say, okay, that's a little bit inflationary. You, you also say, okay, boomers retiring, they're no longer working, they don't have that paycheck coming, uh, and you know, guess what? You know, they're going to, especially if the stock market is lower, they're going to try and uh, reduce expenses. So you know, everywhere you look, uh, you know, the the write off of debt is inherently deflationary. So um, it, you know, I look at that and. Think, you know, my God! You know, look at this. This is another wave that's coming. It's we just have counterbalancing forces here now. We had um, uh, uh, globalization and and offshoring. You know that was that allowed the Fed, central banks in general, to slash interest rates. We don't have that now. We've got we've got reshoring. We've got, Germany is in a much worse boat than, than the United States is. So uh, uh, there's a lot of forces on both sides. And I look at both of them and I, sometimes I say, well, I don't know. And then who's gonna win the next election? Nobody knows that. And uh, 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 those policies, so do we continue them? Do we backtrack on them? What's going to happen? So there's a lot of stuff out there that just has me saying, you know what? I the the housing bubble. I was very confident of that it was going to crash. It was going to be a deflationary event. It was, and the resolution of that was the 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 Fed stepped in, and uh, John Husband has talked about this too, and has uh, uh, ended mark to market accounting. You know, okay, let's let the banks you know, hold the stuff on their balance sheet, you know, at whatever price they want. And off we went. And, uh, you know, the takeoff, the liftoff didn't surprise me because I called it in housing. I called the bottom, I called the top and the bottom of the housing market. I just never thought that these bubbles would get as big as they they, they did. did. And, and that's typically the position I'm in, Adam, you know, and most people too, uh, these Bubbles just always have a way of going on much longer and they go much further than almost anyone thinks.
1: It can think, yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, Lance Roberts has been uh, reiterating that a lot recently with the, the the current potential new bubble that we're seeing in the AI stock markets right now, where um, you know, you got companies like NVIDIA that are priced at 40 times sales. And he's like, <laughs> as, as bananas as that is, that's not a train you necessarily want to step in front of and start showing. No, exactly. You, yeah. you don't know when it's going to end. And and people were talking,
0: so, well, you know, look at this, a crash is coming. Well, I'm sorry. Crashes don't come from overbought conditions. Crashes happen in oversold conditions. And, you know, so, you know, we need to see a significant decline. And a decline that fails before we can even start talking about crashes. We're not even close, you know it's it's pretty amazing here uh adam you know uh, how this is things lifted off
1: all right well look um uh i want to get to some of your more recent pieces um but just to stay on this for a second you said there's you know kind of a lot of cross currents going on which make this <laughs> the future trajectory from here harder to call than say back in 2008 for you um do you see it more as sort of a um uh like a patchwork quilt, where in some parts of the economy, we're going to see inflation, some parts we're going to see deflation because of, you know, these different cross currents. Or is it more you think like, uh, like Felix Zuloff described the road ahead for the next decade, as he said, it's going to be the decade of the roller coaster, where we're just going to have these great big swings from one side to the other, as you know, things start to deflate, and then policy responses push things back up, and you know, inflation resurges, and, so he just says, it's going to be, we're going to kind of be lurched around back and forth um, by these sort of tidal forces over the next decade. Do you have, do you lean more? I, I like the here? second one. I don't think we've seen the bottom in the stock market. I really don't. And
0: and it's, it's, it's funny, you know, the Wall Street Journal came out the other day. I don't know if you saw the post, a new bull market has started. Well, lovely. Okay, really? You know, it's possible that it has. Okay, you know, you have to be open to the possibility that we're in a new bull market but a bull market is not confirmed until we take out the pre- previous high now i went back and recently i posted a a, a charter in one of my blogs we had uh two 50 rallies and one 40 rally while the uh nasdaq fell from you know four thousand all the way down to 700 so you know I'm sorry, you know those none of those 50% rallies started. A 50% rally is a huge rally, right? And here we're only talking about a 20% rally and a call of a new bull market. Well, it's possible. I just kind of doubt it, but uh, certainly it's not confirmed. And, and you know, if the Wall Street Journal would you know bother to look at that Nasdaq chart from <laughs> uh, from 2008. They might wanna change their mind as what a definition of a bull market is here. So yeah, I, th- I think we're liable to see some swings. I, we're, we're in one right now a 20% rally in the, in the S&P. So uh, if we go on to make a new high, well, I stand corrected, sorry. The, 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 uh, but uh, a- as for long sustainable growth in the stock market, given my analysis of a long <laughs> prolonged in and out recession for a, a, a potentially years, uh, it just doesn't, and I'm gonna stick with that forecast. So uh, uh, especially what's happening globally. So uh, it it just doesn't jive that the stock market is gonna take off here and not look back.
1: Okay. All right, well look, um... And I do want to get to maybe a little bit more of, of your specific market outlook and and what assets you think might be wise given that that. but let's save that for a little bit. Um, so you 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 mentioned that um uh you know, here in the states and other countries as well, but a big part of of what we're doing here in the states is to uh, try to, you know, bring some of our supply chains back, dec- definitely electrify the transportation grid right? Lots of spending already earmarked for that and in the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, that is part of the liquidity that's going into the system now, but that will be a, a big wave of spending over the coming years, especially if the Biden administration stays in office next year. Um, and, and so that's inflationary in and of itself. But what's interesting is um, there may be some limits on our ability to do that that aren't policy related, no matter what policy is. Just, just finding and getting some of these materials is becoming more and more challenging. And you addressed this in a recent piece. So, if you can just sort of elaborate for folks, you know, th- these are some of the pressures and stresses I was talking about earlier. Um, what is going on with with materials right now? Some of these critical materials.
0: I can't even pronounce the names of some of these things. Uh, I had a cheat sheet up, you know, because I so we had to switch the layout here, so I don't have that in front of me. So I'm not even going to mention some of the names. But um, I sent you a couple of charts, and uh, uh, if you have time, you can you can work them in. But uh, the uh, the U.S. did an analysis; it just came out, um, I think, uh, a week or two ago, on uh, um, you know what is our risk here of you know what what minerals do we need? And you go you know up and down the line, the U.S. is I mean China is overwhelmingly you know, the the huge source, but it's not always China, Indonesia on one and South Africa, you know, on another one. And Zimbabwe is, you know, has, has a huge piece of, 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 of one of these minerals. But, you know, there's a lot of geopolitical risk here, especially with, uh, you know, Russia, you know, is a producer of some of these with uh, uh, Russia and China, you know, producing these minerals and, and uh, President Biden, well, and before him, you know, Donald Trump, you know, antagonizing, um, you know, not Russia so much, but 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 China with trade wars, and we're you know continuing these the these trade wars. Taiwan is very much in you know uh, 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 in the picture. You know, does does China shut off the supply of some of these rare earth minerals? Now, I took one of the charts that, um, you know, uh, uh, from that energy assessment, and I put my own spin on it and said, okay, there's two things. Uh, You know, how critical is this, you know, to the US or, you know, to energy, global energy? And then what are the supply risks? And I multiplied those two things together and came up with a number. I don't know if this is a valid approach or not, but, you know, the critical list. That I came up with uh, might be a little bit different than, uh, but pretty much they were in line with with what the Department of Energy, you know, uh, 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 came up with. But you look at some of these things, and you know, there's a risk of running out of supply by 2025. You know, if we don't step up production, well, the U.S. We're not going to open a mine here, Adam. In the next two years, you know, I think it takes what eight or ten years to open a mine, and then plus the you know the permanent. You know, imagine the greens going you know nutsoid if we start opening because a lot of the toxic sludge that comes from producing these minerals, you got to get rid of it. China is one of the few places on this globe that's you know willing to process these things and 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 get rid of all of that. So then, you know, what does that say to our supply, especially if we start really ramping up like Biden wants to do what we're gonna do? So uh, I don't see, and I never did where these minerals are coming from. And now, you know, it's not just me saying this, we've got actually official government documents saying you know, hey, what, you know, look at this. You know, there's, there's at least a handful of things here that are, you know, in critical supply and China controls all of them. So, you know, what do you do? Uh,
1: just to, again, underscore your point there, uh, we've had both Rick Rule and Tommy Costa on this channel who are both natural resource investors. And, you know, they've been banging the drum for years that um, even just at current growth rates, current demand, um, we're going to be hitting some pretty serious supply shortages going forward over the next decade or two because we have underinvested so much in capex in the mining spaces for so many of these metals. Um, also, same same is relatively true for um, uh, just you know main energy, you know main fossil energy sources too, oil, et cetera. So, um, but they've really been warning about this, and, and now we're beginning to see those chickens come home to roost. And like you're saying, Mike, you know we're we're actually finally seeing the government. You know, publicly begin to admit um, how you know critical the the supply forecast for some of these things are. So, anyways, yeah, just I, t- to me, that just seems like we, we talked about some of the inflationary things from the existing plans uh, to invest in infrastructure, but that may be sending some of the cost of these materials skyrocketing. Because yeah, it's
0: even worse. Supply. It's even worse, Adam, in Germany. You know they don't have uh, uh they don't have big deserts <laughs> in Germany. You know they, you know where are they going to put the solar panels? You know they've they've actually started mining. You know their 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 percentage of coal is like up to I'm going to guess a number here something like 33 percent, almost a third of the uh uh they, they 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 kicked out nuclear and Germany is one of the you know, if you look at the fault structures and one of the safest places in the world to build nuclear, well, they, they killed that. And, you know, to supplement their energy needs, what are they going to do? Solar not going to work there.
1: Yeah, well, sorry to interrupt, but right now what they've been doing is burning more coal than they've burned. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's why, you know, they, 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 in the last three years, their reliance on coal went from going to you know throw out some numbers here that are approximate went from twenty eight percent back up to thirty three percent. Now, so what are they going to do? And and uh, uh, you know Germany's a big export nation, but they've got a huge you know trade deficit with Germany, and uh, their car situation. One of the things, the few things that they did export to uh, uh, China uh, was their cars, but China has now taken the world lead in in car exports. I'm not gonna be buying German cars anymore, Adam.
1: Wow, all right, crazy. All right, so sort of continuing this, this uh, stagflation theme here, um, uh, you know, cost of living continues to rise pretty dramatically. You've written two pieces recently I wanna to touch on. One is uh, the fact that it seems that the consumer, um, uh, you know, they're still hanging in there spending-wise, although retail spending, you know, hasn't been super robust. But it seems what they're doing to to be able to enable continuing that spending is they're shifting how they're financing it, right? Um, so they got, you know, stimulus during COVID. They had forbearance programs. You know, there was, there was uh, you know, child credits. There were all sorts of sort of special... Uh, extraordinary measures that were being taken to to support uh, folks during the pandemic. Most of those are gone now. There's a few important ones that are still around that are gonna end soon, like the uh, the student debt uh, is gonna go back into repayment, as you've been mentioning. Um, and so what we're seeing is, is that as people are draining those excess savings that they had, uh, they're now turning to revolving credit. And I think uh, uh, credit cards are now back at all-time high in terms of just outstanding credit card debt. Um, But they're now also, I believe, charging all time high interest rates, too.
0: Yes, the the um, the chart is misleading and accurate. Both the we're at an all time high in nominal terms in credit card debt, but um, that's not adjusted for either population or inflation. And uh, so, you know, I posted uh, a, a chart on, on my blog on this. So we're, we're still in inflation adjusted. We're uh, below pre-pandemic level. We're even below, I think, or right at the level, you know, all the way back in like 2007, I think. But the trajectory is unbelievable. You know, the, the, the steepening, the, the rate of increase in uh, expansion of of consumer credit and especially uh, credit card debt. What's that say? I, I, I think it says that, hey, you know, whatever savings anyone had, you know, as as a result of all the forbearance programs you mentioned, of all the free pandemic aid we had um, has, has run off, that the money's been spent. Now, some people say it's still out there but, um, you know, a lot of this was fraud and got into in the hands of people who really didn't even need aid. And guess what? They're not going to spend that. But they've already invested in the stock market or whatever. It's not going to be consumer spending uh, 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 if that money is indeed ever going to, you know, come back into the economy at all. So <clears throat> that is wearing off right at the same time that uh, people are going to have to start paying back um, their student loans and people, and the rent forbearance is now gone. So it, 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 it's, it's a telling chart. Perhaps it's not as bad as it looks because if we compare it to previous recessions where inflation adjusted, we're still not at an all time high, but the steepness of how fast this is rising is very scary. I think that's probably the more important takeaway out of this. So, um, you know, that's kind of telling something's got to give. you know, either people need to start making more money. And I think wage growth is starting to level off or come down. And certainly you look at people job hopping, you know, for uh, a long time, people were, you know, just willing to go get another job. And we're almost back to normal levels here. Right. In terms or, or, or to quit.
1: Um, yes,
0: that's what I'm we, talking about. You know, had to, a great
1: resignation. Yeah. So,
0: you know, an outright quit, you know, they were, you know, taking another job, getting a higher rate. Well, people have stopped quitting, or actually not stopped, you know, people, we are down almost to what we were pre pandemic. It's still elevated because it was elevated then. But, uh, you know, maybe this is, sort of a new normal i hate that phrase with you know uh uh all the you know boomer retirements we have so it's it's one thing that's like still supporting wage growth but nowhere near like it was all these things you know all these are just tiny little pieces of the puzzle that just you know fit together that paint a picture that say you know what these gdp numbers just really don't look right
1: yeah well I, I hate to ask the question this way but like you know if if, if you you look at this um and, and you see you know cost of living going up right um you, you, you see uh uh you know uh wage inflation which which has increased it's still negative on a real basis and we're, we're beginning to begin to see weakening in the labor market uh, I had a chart. In a previous video last week showing that the labor leverage ratio is, is has been declining for a while and that's because we had you know the great resignation uh and it's funny you know we had this pandemic which we shut down the global economy but we put so much juice in there that a lot of people were like hey i'm the job i have sucks i'm going to go sit on the beach for a while i've got some money um or I, my, my portfolio did really well because of, of all the stimulus and i'm going to retire a few years earlier than i thought i was going to right now that 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 excess is coming out people are having to you know that now have kind of near record low savings rates people are turning to the credit card to make ends meet they're no longer able to kind of demand as much as many perks or as, as you know they, they can't be as aggressive with employers as they were in the past. I said several years ago and I'll just say it here to keep it on the record uh, that I, I I believe that the the great resignation was going to eventually devolve into the great please may I have my job back uh movement and that 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 may be the case here but but just yeah so there's all these all these forces that just show it's it's getting harder for the average consumer right things are getting more expensive they're now losing leverage in the workforce uh they're falling behind on a real basis their personal debts are going up um it, it's not a great trajectory um and I kind of think especially on the the cost of living side of things yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if CPI gets back down to you know, you know, the Fed's two percent or less target level at some point because some of the other deflationary forces that are going on and the challenges to growth, like you're talking about with GDP. But I'm I make an analogy with like what happens all the time in, in in commerce, like with the airlines, right? Where oil prices go up, so airlines, you know, they they remove things they used to give you. You know, we all remember you used to get the blankets and the pillows for free, and that was all fine. Uh, but then they put on these excess costs because they say, hey, oil prices are so high, we need to have this short, short time, short term, temporary you know, fee increase because we need to be able to still, you know, afford to fly afford to fly you. Right. Then oil prices come down. Those fees never go away. Those removed perks never come back. Right. And so right. it's always sort of this devolving customer experience. And I believe people are out there saying, gosh, inflation's been horrible, you know. I just can't wait for the day when prices come back down to make sense. I think in a lot of cases, prices aren't ever going to come back down to pre-pandemic levels. And, and a lot of this inflation, even if the growth slows or even goes to zero, we're not going to roll the car the, the, the date back and, and food's not going to cost what it was. Cars aren't going to cost what they were. Housing's not going to cost what it was. Food so I, just, I see this concerning you know, continued squeeze for the consumer going ahead. I, I'd hate to paint such a dire... Picture, but but do you feel the same or do you look at it differently
0: no i I, I think you you've hit it there pretty hard uh food is possible but yeah, food is possible. um but rent I I don't I'm really doubting it and rent is is 33 percent of um of of the CPI.
1: The CPI calculation, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, in one way or another. Shelter is 33% uh, of, as we got owner's equivalent, rent and rent and, and, but I mentioned the word zombie, but I never finished that point earlier. The, um, uh, the, the normal meaning of, of zombie is someone who is a corporation that needs low interest rates to keep rolling over the debt because they don't have enough profits or any profits to survive other than by continually rolling over debt. The zombie corporation is gonna go under. But uh, I came up with two more classifications of zombies and, and it's, it's uh, I define them as uh, uh, someone who uh, is running now and wants a house, but has just finally realized, hey, I'm never gonna be able to afford this house. And then we've got another class of zombie, someone who even owns a house, but is got a 3% mortgage rate, and that person can't, you know, you know, wants to move, could maybe even afford to move, except they don't want to give up their 3% or below 3% mortgage for a 7% mortgage. We have a lot of people trapped. And and meanwhile, corporations are starting to demand more people come back into the office. So uh, uh, I think this impacts the quit ratio here. You know, the the, the this combination of uh, of factors. So. You know, people can no longer work at home, you know, okay, if they've got a house close to where they they can't afford to move, all of these things, if you look at it, it's it's, housing tends to drive the economy into recession and out of recession. If by, you know, some miracle it didn't this time, then it's just, we're not going to have this recovery as long as mortgage rates are at 7%. Right. I even doubt 6%. So it's slowing down household formation. I I didn't write about this, but I've seen other people write about it. The U.S. birth rate is what? The the lowest ever? Mm -hmm. did, Did I see that report recently? So, you know, that says something to household formation, the ability and desire of people to have kids because they can't afford them. You know, they can't afford a house. You know, they're worried about school. You know, uh, especially if they live in a, a large city. I mean, the education system in, just to pick two, Chicago and San Francisco is horrendous. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, but, you know, so they're stuck. And I think people are going to be stuck for a long time. They're not going to walk away like before. They might even have a little bit of paper equity in their house that, It's hard to cash out, but they just can't afford to move because they can't afford to hire uh, 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 the mortgage rate. And if my analysis is correct, out of fear of stoking inflation, the Fed's not going to be able to put the pedal on the gas on, 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 on QE and mortgages. This is a huge problem of the Fed's making. You know, they've never admitted this. They're not going to. But the Fed really, really blew it and put us into this zombie-like economy. And yeah, we might have a roller coaster as they try and extradite themselves from this mess. I'm just failing to see how they extradite themselves from this mess, Adam.
1: All right, yeah. Um uh Well, you know, that's what occupies a lot of our time and attention here on this channel is trying to figure out what's gonna happen because in many ways we are kind of, uh, the Fed really has kind of uh, backed itself into a corner. So, um real quick just to, to finish up the housing topic here um you had written an article recently about uh the the proclamation that there there basically are no more starter homes um, left in America because the pricing is just too high for uh you know new home buyers first-time home buyers to get to get into the market um I totally understand that I'd love to have you make any commentary around that you want my, my question is is um so I've asked this a couple of times recently some of our experts, um, you know the, the transactions have really slowed down, right? Yes. Because it's hard to buy and people don't want to sell, like you just said. They're they're sitting on those low mortgages. Um, I mean, housing in general is stickier than than financial assets, right? The the, the price of the housing market moves more slowly than the prices of stocks, just because you know it's it's a much less fluid uh, liquid asset, right? Um, but transactions still happen. Right. Uh, Even in a even in a slow market like now, um, there's an organic amount of transactions as people die, get divorced, have to move for jobs, lose their jobs, et cetera. Right. Um, And and over time, those should you would think that 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 would be the price discovery mechanism. Um, And, you know, given that mortgage rates are a lot higher now and some other factors we could easily talk about. we would expect prices to be coming down. Well, those organic transactions, even if they're a relatively small percentage of the market, would they eventually bring the stock market down if interest rates stay this high? Or are there other factors at play that might keep things elevated? Um,
0: I, I'm not sure that housing is, is tied that much to the stock market, other than perhaps in the reverse sense. If, um, if the stock market does take a dive, you know, uh, uh, yeah, people negative thought, effect, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, Hey, you know, I, I can afford to do this, that, and the other to spend, buy more in a house, upgrade my house, buy new furniture, whatever. So um, in, in, in that sense, I, I, I think they're related, but uh, I, and I do expect home prices to uh, uh, decline, but what's interesting is I think the last at least two months, or is it three, um case shiller said home prices have risen month to month and that wasn't every market so um it, you know and, and that's really not a good market for the fed by the way because if things stabilize here we're, we're stabilizing at a point of unaffordability you know it was like a uh, uh, point to uh, point to homes did this article they they surveyed uh, the, uh, uh, what the average runner was making and, and what a lower tier, third tier starter home. Starter home, but they defined as, as bottom third of price in the area, okay? So uh, Point to Homes did this uh, analysis of who can afford a starter home. And they looked at hundred markets And in precisely zero, could the uh, average uh, person running now actually afford to go out and buy a home priced in the lower third? So, uh, you know, that's pretty telling. And that's again, telling on, on household formation and just think of all the things that goes into buying a house. You know, a uh, uh, home builder builds a new house, new new appliance, carpeting, you know, uh, uh, paint. You, you, you buy an existing house, you refurnish, you put in new cabinets, almost certainly new carpet, you know, e- e landscaping, you know, you upgrade the lawn, you know, curtains, all that kind of stuff. That's activity that's just not going to happen. Right, this so there's, there's an economic
1: multiplier effect of home construction you take that construction away, you get this multiplier effect going in reverse, right?
0: Yeah, actually, if you total it up, housing is not that huge of a portion of GDP. However, it's a cyclical portion. You know, you know, government spending doesn't change much except go up every year. Right. And government, government spending adds to GDP. Now we can debate whether or not it should. And, and, and this is another reason why but this may be actually an important point here where, where GDP is you know, inflated. You know, we, we build bombs, we drop them wherever. Doesn't matter. We always seem to be dropping bombs somewhere. Okay, so, you know, this added to GDP, you know, so we got product, we use the product, it's totally gone, it's wasted, we got nothing out of it, we made enemies in the process. And yet they're telling me that this added to GDP. So, you know, I think, you know, a better term for GDP is grossly distorted procedures rather than gross (laughs) domestic product. (laughs) <laughs> they, they, uh, and I don't know if Rosenberg's ever done this kind of analysis or not, but, you know, maybe this is what GDI is saying versus what GDP is saying. But anyway, it, you know, nowhere do we account for the amount of money we spend that we've just totally wasted. It just adds to gross domestic product so that, you know, there's something wrong there. <laughs>
1: All right, well, I got I got two questions to ask you in our last couple of minutes here as we wrap things up. Um, the first one, uh, why don't we make the first one your market outlook, um, which is uh, just sort of, what do you expect ahead for the, the, the second half of the year? And are there any assets or strategies that you think uh, would serve the average investor to consider right now, given where you think the markets are headed?
0: I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, if you want to be invested in stocks, I still like foreign stocks over US stocks. I think the US market is grossly uh, inflated. One of the things that happened recently, and I, and I wrote about it on my blog, was um, we filled gaps. And, you know, the gap is where the stock opens above the high of the previous day and stays there, or below the low of the previous day and stays there. Yeah, like, 14 gaps that that have all been filled now the only two gaps that remain are below where stock and it's kind of interesting here with you know this nvidia rally the the uh, s&p down eight months ago you know and it's now taken eight months to fill that gap and I was wondering, you know, is this gap going to fill? But I, I swear to God, uh, uh, Adam, gaps just act like magnets. And sure enough, we went back there. So anyone who shorted that breakdown and didn't take their profit somewhere along the line they had huge chances to do so. Um, is is now back to even, and we see this on gap ups too. Now we have two stacked open gaps, um, one at like. 39, and one recently, I'll say 41, the, the, uh, on, on, the, on the S&P. So uh, I think these, I'm positive these gaps are going to fill. So, uh, and I would guess sooner rather than later, then we can talk about, you know, what happens then. But I don't think the low is in, you know, not by a long shot. And if, if for some reason it is, then it's this muddle through kind of thing. You know that's not going to do pension funds any good if you know they're expecting six percent returns and and all all we're getting is this you know the, this this sideways range movement. I, I I still think lower lows are coming.
1: Okay, um, lower lows are coming, and I'm I'm going to assume sort of like Bookvar thinks the economy is going to be sort of in a slow grind downward from here. Uh, are you expecting that the markets will hit those new lows kind of in a slow grind as well? Or do you think it's going to be a bit more?
0: No, it's going to be more depending on euphoria over nonsensical announcements from the Fed and stuff like that. You know, NVIDIA coming out, you know, uh, with earnings, uh, uh, exuberance over uh, over artificial, you know, a- a- intelligence, AI, the like. But, you know, one observation is, Bull markets don't end on bad news. Bull markets end on good news. And yeah. we've had a heck of a lot of good news lately. Yeah. We've had it's just Nigeria. so funny because,
1: you know, a couple months ago, it was not the case, but but all of a sudden it's everywhere.
0: Right, exactly. So um, that was always skeptical. And it was, oh, all this bad news. But, you know, we had bad news and that stock market didn't drift lower, and I'm sitting there, uh, yeah, okay. Look at this gap up here. This sucker's gonna fill. The uh, now I feel it in reverse. The gaps are below, and and they're gap ups. Anyone who bought that exuberance and hold on is probably gonna re- regret it. I would suggest that about Nvidia, Apple, any of these, any of these companies. I think the stock market is grossly overvalued. But you know, guess what? I mean, if you fight this stuff, you lose money. You know, it, it it's it's kind of hard for, uh, 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 you know, money managers who don't participate in bubbles. You know, lose clients. That's just what happens.
1: Yeah, you're you're forced as a as a money manager to follow uh, the 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 uh, John Hussman paradigm, where he says, you know, manias force you to make a decision of whether whether to look like an idiot now or look like an idiot later. Yeah. Right. Um, All right. Last main question for you, which is, you know, we've talked a lot of, about a lot of pretty pessimistic stuff in terms of the the direction of the economy and the, and the future for the, the consumer. Um Just as an exercise, I want you to try to put on a bear hat for a uh, uh, sorry, a bull hat for a moment and, and just say, you know, if the, if the future is different from what what we've been talking about here, and it's much better than what we're talking about here, do you do you have any sort of sense of of you know what what could be those catalysts? You know, if I, if I had to say, Mish, make the best bull case you can make right now. Oh, okay. um, what would you be doing?
0: That's pretty easy. Um, the 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 U.S. is certainly leading in artificial intelligence. Uh, U- Europe is lagging. Um, the 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 U.S. is ahead of uh, especially with Tesla ahead of Europe on uh, electric cars, um, like Elon Musk or not. I mean, the man's a genius. Actually, the uh, and the U.S. economy is still one of the most freest, open economies in the world. So. The uh, uh, compare and contrast that with the nanny crats in the EU and you have a a, a different kind of thing. All right. and uh, sorry to
1: interrupt, but that is that sort of the, the Brent Johnson argument that um, capital flows will continue to come into U.S. because even though it has its problems on a relative basis, it's way better than a lot of other yeah. places. Right? Yeah.
0: And look at China. The demographics in China are. Um, uh sinking, you know, pretty fast here. So uh, just, you know, everyone thought that not me, I was not in that camp. But most people thought, you know, China was going to uh, rule the world. And maybe they do still, but it always seems to be right around the corner. And uh, now doesn't seem to be the time. They still got massive property bubbles. Uh, uh, in China, that they've not extradited themselves from, and uh, they're still relying, you know, on exports. You know, maybe they can do that with EVs, but if Biden and Europe put high enough tariffs on them, they won't. So uh, the, you know, those are the factors, and that's the bull case, and and it's considerable actually the the US is still the best of the lot i i think pretty much that sums it up but uh and is leading you know in artificial intelligence china probably number 2 and and europe is trying to suppress it i you know so if you want a you know a basket case you know look at com- compare the US to germany
1: all right thanks mike and just for viewers i am still working on getting uh, an AI specialist on the program here to really dive in deep into that topic. All right, Mike, look, we, we talked a little bit about your site at the beginning of the uh, of the interview here. But again, for folks that have really enjoyed this discussion and want to follow you and your work, where should they go?
0: It's uh, still, and, and this is the good part about the move. Uh, uh, um, and just to recap, if you're joining this video at the end or missed miss, miss the beginning or um, uh, I'm moving mishtalk.com back to WordPress from the Maven, but the URLs are staying the same. So hopefully no links get broken, anything like that. That's happening this week. Uh, comments are shut off on my blog. And i um, uh, I'm gonna be doing more guest posts and I, I uh, offer you to, uh, Adam, to provide some for me. Uh, uh, if you've got anything uh, uh, from from your fantastic you know, uh, uh, collection of interviews that you want me to post, I'm open to that. Um, Gary Broad at Deep Knowledge Investing invited me onto his uh, board of analysts. I'm there. He's gonna be doing some... Actual investment ideas. So, you know, one of the criticisms on blog over the years is I just talked about the macro picture. I never said you know do this, don't do that. People want investable ideas, so Gary's going to po- uh, provide some of those for me. I'm going to cross post some of my macroeconomic stuff on his site. And Adam, you're welcome to join this party if you would like.
1: Thanks, Mike. And, and that's a great compliment actually between your content there and Gary's. Um, I appreciate the offer and, and, and I will hopefully be able to take you up on it. You know, miss you and I have known each other for a long time back in the days where I used to write a lot. Um, and I just don't have much time to write anymore, um, with all the interviews that we're doing here, but I would love to, uh, get the opportunity occasionally when I can to, to pull back at the keyboard and, and do some of that. It'd be really fun to, to post it on your site. And, and again, maybe when we have a you know, particularly good interview here, I can do a write-up around that, send it to you and, yeah, uh, and share that with you. Exactly that kind of thing. Awesome. I'm
0: I'm I'm uh, uh, looking forward I always uh, uh, Lynn Alden and I don't see things exactly the same on crypto but we see see some things like there I mean I don't know what's going to happen but I think Lynn Alden is brilliant and uh, uh, I look forward to seeing more of her work and uh, of course I I, I follow Daniel DiMartino Booth real close on 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 Twitter so you've had a lot of amazing guests and and people need to subscribe to your channel to
1: see them uh, you're too kind. Um, all right. Well, look, in um, wrapping up here, um, two things, folks. One, uh, Mike just you know did a phenomenal job of walking through all the challenges that the economy and the markets have lying ahead of them. If you are feeling a bit overwhelmed about how to position for all of that, uh, you're not alone. Uh, in fact, most people are in your camp. Uh, as always, we recommend that, that you work under the guidance of a professional financial advisor, but particularly one that understands and takes into account all the issues that Mike and I talked about here. If you have a good one who's doing that for you and building a personalized uh, portfolio for you around that and then executing it for you, great. Definitely stick with somebody like that because they're rare. If you don't have one or if you'd like a second opinion from one who does, Uh, then consider scheduling a free consultation with the financial advisors that Wealthion endorses. To do that only takes a couple of seconds. Just go to Wealthion.com Dot com. Fill out the short form there. Again, those consultations don't cost you anything. There's no commitment to work with these guys. It's just a public service they offer to help as many people as possible. And if you've enjoyed having Mike on this program, would like to have him come on here again in the near future, please do me a favor, support this channel by hitting the like button, then clicking on the red subscribe button below as Mike encouraged you to, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Mike, it's always great having you on the channel, buddy. Thanks so much for coming on. Look forward to having you on again soon.
0: Adam, it's a pleasure. And we go back to what, 2006 or something? We've been I working. Mean,
1: it. I, I, six or seven. I mean, it's been that long.
0: It's been that long. And there's going to be more coming up. Exciting announcements from Adam and I. You can count on it.
1: All right, buddy. Thanks so much. Everyone else, thanks so much for watching.